1: Hey, we are back. Owen Waffle has his commitment ceremony. They're already rocking and rolling, so let's get to him. Everybody let me know that got you your, can hear him.
2: Got your mom and dad. Everybody you here? And your brothers, a bunch of teammates behind you. You're listed as a defensive end, a defensive tackle, a fullback, and a tight end. You list all four positions on your Twitter bio. What are you best at?
3: Uh, I'd say defensive line, uh, for sure. Uh, but wherever I'm needed, I'm just going to.
2: You're listed at six foot three, two hundred seventy pounds, and I can't help but notice that the big guy to your right looks like he could throw you around a bit. How how big is your dad, and what kind of background does he have in sports?
3: Uh, well, he's about six six. Uh, honestly, his I don't know his weight, but his background in football is he played at, at Duke University.
2: Okay, great. I could tell he was a big-time player back yeah. in the day. I was reading one of yeah. the quotes uh, you told Irish Illustrated that your family is full of late growers and you're just yeah. a sophomore still. How big do you think you're going to be by the time you get to campus in a couple of years?
3: I honestly have no clue. It's, uh, I, don't, I can't tell my future at the moment, but uh, mm-hmm. as of right now, I'm feeling pretty good.
2: Well, looking forward to, to hearing where you plan on attending in a couple of years. How did you end up uh, coming to, to this decision so quickly? A lot of kids, uh, you know, they, they might wait until they get within a year of uh, of going to college. What made it such a quick decision for you? Uh, yeah,
3: it was definitely uh, going to visit the school, uh, seeing the campus, getting to know the tradition behind the school. And also, uh, it was honestly just a lot of the connections i built with the coaches there.
2: All right, we're going to get uh, your really commitment. In, in just a second, Owen, uh, the, the, the finalists are Notre Dame, Iowa, Michigan State, Rutgers, and Vanderbilt. And, uh, you know, no Iowa, who's listed at the top here, uh, has been very good at, on the defensive line throughout the, the Kirk Ferentz tenure. And Notre Dame, with Marcus Freeman taking over as head coach, have uh, been really hot on Owen's trail.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: My wife is the coffee drink in our house. So when I told her about trying out trade coffee, she was curious. When I told her that if she answered the survey trade sent me, they could match her with brands she would like, she was downright skeptical. We ended up getting three different shipments from three regional coffee makers. And let me tell you, she was blown away. My coffee snob wife loved each and every new blend that she got. As a non-coffee drinker myself, I must admit, opening up the cabinet and getting a whiff of her most recent blend was aromatically pleasing. Trade sells the freshest, roasted, and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you, and as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee connoisseur like my wife, or just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts, and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. And for Irish Breakdown listeners, right now Trade Coffee is offering up to $20 off your first three bags when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. To get started, take their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and start your journey to perfect cup. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $20 off your first three bags. We will go back to that once they actually go back to Owen. I have no interest in listening to that guy talk. So uh let's just kind of briefly, Ryan, talk about this backstory because it's interesting. You talk, you've talked to Owen, you've gotten to know him a little bit in this recruiting process, and he told you what two weeks ago, yeah. right? That he just he had no decision made, he had no plans to make a decision, it was gonna kind of happen. Down the road. But uh, here we are today and he's ready to make a decision. So just let's give a little backstory uh, to him. Obviously visited Notre Dame recently. Just um, what do you know so far of Owen uh, Wayful? Owen Wayful, And uh, what do you think kind of preempted him to make this decision as early as he has? And we'll find out what that decision is here very soon.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that it you could attribute a lot of it to just the excitement around the program. We already saw Brandon Davis swing obviously come off the board pretty recently during the Blue and Gold game weekend. So I think there's just a lot of excitement around Notre Dame, like you said. Call, checking in just a couple of weeks ago after he had made his visit on campus, he it was just very he was prioritizing just getting ready for the season. You know, making sure he was the best version of himself, well, getting to that point. And he was told me at that point, "I'm I'm not." forcing this i'm not you know taking it i'm taking it slow type of thing and obviously things have escalated since then to say the least i think part of it is you know college coaches are turning up the heat a little bit on them and we're seeing it now it's just a little more of a a thing now where players seem to be committing a little bit earlier than usual
1: yeah it, it is interesting kind of how that how that plays out you know so they are going to a commercial break so, uh, the, the list is interesting. You know, he had been to Penn state in, in early April. They didn't make his list cause they haven't offered yet. A lot of schools have not, a lot of the bigger schools have not offered him yet. He's a very intriguing prospect because, you know, he's not that automatic. Oh, wow. Um, you know, this kid is a big time player. This kid is a top 50 kid. This is a, you know, a, a guy with this measurable or this thing or that thing, you know, and, um, it's it's is offerless is interesting because it's it's he's not that big time player but it's, it's I think a little better than than the current offer list although Iowa State and or Iowa and Michigan State are, are good programs so he's a mm-hmm. kid that I think would have seen his his list blow up a little bit even more but you know right now you look at his rankings he is ranked as the number one seventy five in the play player in the country on the two four seven sports rankings yep. And you know, I, I think that's about right. I think another one has him in the one two uh, hundreds. One has him in like one eighty something. It's about about what how I see him. You know, it's a quality prospect. But he's a kid that you you see quickly why Iowa likes him, right? And you see why I was on that list. This is the kind of kid that isn't that big time, you know, five star kid that Iowa has just made a killing with in the past. And you know, he's the kind of kid that has gone to michigan state and and you don't really know a lot about him a and so he's an all big ten kid. So, uh, very, very, very intriguing prospect in that regard, Ryan. Because again, he he doesn't have some of the measurables, but man, the kid's got a great motor, and we'll dive into those kind of things as well. But I do, I do find it interesting. Kids like him, I think, are especially going to be put in more and more tough situations. Not tough situations where, hey, you better go, you better make a decision somewhat quickly because you know spots are spots are going to close up, especially for teams that are real active in the transfer portal because they're just not handing out as many scholarships to high school kids. So. I do find that part interesting, and it, they're back from commercials, so I'm assuming they're going to be going back to Owen here very soon. So we'll uh, we'll pull that up when he's ready to to start talking again. But, yeah, it is – I mean, because you'll get this all the time. So, well, I'm not going to be committing soon, but, you know, we're going to do it. And then they just changed. Here we go. We're back well, to him.
2: He's got his, his parents, his brothers, his teammates there. In your own time, in your own way, Owen, take your time and let us know where you're going to be going.
3: Yeah, I'd first just like to uh, thank my teachers who helped me reach my goals in the classroom. I'd also like to thank my teammates for pushing me on the field and uh, keeping my competitive edge sharp. I'd also like to thank Coach Smith uh, who uh, put me in this position and gave me the opportunity to play here at the Hunt School. I uh, wouldn't be here without him. Um, i also like to thank my family for keeping my head on straight through my entire life so far, and also during my recruiting process. Uh, but, yeah, that being said, uh, I'd like to announce uh, I'm verbally committing to the admissions process at the University of Notre Dame.
1: So that's Notre Dame got a commitment from Owen Waifel from the Hun School in New Jersey. Notre Dame hasn't landed a Hun School kid since 2009 with uh uh, uh, tyler stockton so it's been a while and look ryan we talk about areas where notre Dame needs to start having more success and i think that that northern jersey schools those private schools the catholic league all those different you know they've got to be doing better in bosco it's great to get two bergen catholic kids last year you know they've got to get more guys from the hun school when they have big time players notre Dame needs to get them and I think obviously this is a, a good one because Owen Waffle Wayful is one of the better young kids in that league, if not you know the one of the top two or three kids in that league. Here as you move forward with underclassmen, so uh, I think this is obviously a really a really quality pickup for Notre Dame beyond just the football aspect of this. So um, you would obviously know this really well since you are a you are a Jersey guy. So this is just an area that Notre Dame has to, in my opinion, has to start having more success moving forward. Yeah. I mean, he plays
4: as obviously the hunt school is right in Princeton, New Jersey. That's about 35 minutes for me. So I'm going to have to go watch Owen play a couple games this year, I, I guess mm-hmm. uh, kind of in the near future. So yeah, they, they traditionally, I mean, I talked to a coach yesterday that said in the last eight years, they put out 71 players on scholarship into college football or something like that. And I have a backstory that's coming out about him. Cause I actually have a buddy that coaches at the Hun school and, he spoke very highly of Owen Waifel and the ca- the character of player he is person and everything that he kind of brings to the table. So it's, I mean, they need to continue to, I mean, cause they've had success in the, in the, in the past, obviously going to the, going to New Jersey with the Brandon Wimbushes of the world, the Jason and Justin Adam Malolas, Shane Simon. Like they've had guys that have come obviously from New Jersey to play at Notre Dame, but you know, tapping into The Hunt School, which is a a fantastic Catholic school here in New Jersey. And, I mean, one thing that Owens talked to me about in the past is the transition. He's not worried about that transition because he thinks that the Hunt School has prepared him specifically to make that transition. So I have an article again that's going to kind of highlight a little bit of the coaching backstory. their opinions on him as a player come out here very soon, but... One of the better players in New Jersey. I think he's one of the top two or three players in New Jersey, according to 247 Sports in the 2024 class. Mm-hmm. Top 200 caliber player. Really, really physical. Really, really explosive. Good track and field athlete. There's a lot to like about a guy like an Owen Wayful.
1: So let, let's kind of talk about, obviously, the the how this impacts the class. And then we'll get into some more of the specifics of, of him. Because I think it's a very interesting recruitment. We'll dive into kind of my thoughts on it a little bit. But obviously... He is the second defensive lineman to commit, actually the second player overall to commit to Notre Dame, the 2024 class, and they're both defensive linemen because right now Al Washington is absolutely killing this recruiting thing at Notre Dame. So that obviously, I mean, what is like for the last five commits? I think have been defensive linemen. I yep. believe that's accurate, right? Because that is. You obviously have him. You had Devin Houston. Oops, just see, I'm so powerful. I just snapped my pencil in half. Um, Devin Houston, you had Bubakar Traore and. uh Brandon Davis, Swain, and then the only one in between that was what Sullivan Absher. Solomon Absher. Did after, Sam yep. Pendleton commit after the Blue Gold game, or was he before the Blue Gold game? I always get his his. He time was af, his he story. was after Blue Gold, so it might it might be four. Of so the basically, last he's standing anywhere. now. Washington are carrying Notre Dame's recruiting right. Now. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so, uh, big pickup. So he's number two. Talking about the position fit, he plays mostly defensive end in high school. Although sometimes it's four down, sometimes it's three down. You will see him occasionally slide inside. Uh, to the three, the three technique. At times, I think that is where you see him most comfortable. We'll have some. We'll do a film evaluation of him moving up uh, as we kind of go into the show here too, Ryan, uh, where we'll dive into the film. But Notre Dame views him as more of a, of a nose guard potentially down the road. I think when you look at him right now, he's 6'3", 270 is what he's listed as right now. He was listed at two fifty in the fall. He's a big kid. You can see this the big upper body, big lower body. A uh, stout kid through the core, Ryan. But there's still a lot of room, I think, for him to continue filling out, and growing. You see, his dad is huge. Yes. Uh, somebody mentioned, like, is this kid short? Because he looks short in the photos, and then you realize his dad's six six. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he said six six during that. I think uh, your, the coach told you he was six seven. I think is what he told you. So he's obviously a, and he's only a sophomore. He's probably doesn't have a driver's license yet at this point <laughs> in time, or maybe just got it. So he's going to keep growing. Notre Dame views him as a guy that's going to end up being a you know close to three hundred pound guy that that's going to be a nose guard, and I think that uh, that's the position. I think ultimately his his athletic talent, his style of play, I think fits the best. You know, can play some three, but also a guy that I see as a nose. And I think when you project him there, Ryan, I think that that look to me it looks like a better fit because you know my first thought was, well, if, I hope they're not recruiting him as an end because I just don't see the. The same level of upside with him as a, as an edge player they they don't see him as an edge they see him as a pure interior guy yep. but a guy that's very very disruptive and I think when you look at if that's where he projects I think it makes me like this pickup even more because that's a position that Notre Dame needs to continue to stock right and as we said we, we you when we talked about this last week and earlier the show earlier but Justin Scott a kid who's from from Illinois who's in the 2024 class 6'5", 310 pound kid highly ranked guy, you think, well, he's a nose, but Notre Dame keeps telling him three technique, three technique, three technique. And we talked about this when we broke him down last week. He's a pretty athletic kid. He's not your typical 310-pounder. So uh, that's what that's part of the reason why this is a, a kid that they're going to take now. But I think this obviously fills a need because you've got Donovan, he- Donovan Heinish, who's an undersized athletic kid. Then you get Devin Houston, who we love him as a nose prospect. Well, then you compliment Devin Houston with a, a kid who's going to be a high motor, high effort, strong, powerful kid. It's a really nice combination. And you now have sort of solidified your nose tackle depth chart moving forward. And if he grows the way that Notre Dame thinks he's going to grow, it only adds more to it because, again, he's he's as big now as Donovan Heinisch was when he was a senior. Right, you know, and and that's a big thing is because I'm not someone who believes you need like the three hundred twenty three hundred thirty pounders that Georgia has. It's a different defense, but I also don't want to be going out there with a bunch of two hundred seventy five pounders all the time at nose guard as well. And obviously, Devin Houston is much bigger; than, is going to be a three hundred pound kid. I think Owen Wayful is going to be a three hundred pound kid. So you're starting to see Notre Dame really up their girth inside uh, at nose, but also not sacrificing penetration and disruption ability for that size. And that's the tricky part. For Notre Dame when it comes to landing nose guards that fit that defense
4: yeah no it's it's great note, and I actually like the note too about his dad not only is he a massive guy he's also a Duke grad right so obviously the academics are very important to the Waifel family to say the least so I, I love Owen's fit into the defense as a nose. Like you said, right now he's 6'2 and some change. 275 pounds is what his coach told me. And we got to remember, again, he's only a sophomore. This kid's going to be mm-hmm. 295, 300 pounds when it's all said and done. Maybe even before he gets to Notre Dame, he might be over 290 pounds. It's very possible. So I know we're going to dive into the film a little more, Brian, but like my some of my favorite parts, and I agree with you to the defensive end portion of this conversation, just not a really flexible guy. He's more of a linear guy, right? right? But he's explosive linearly for his size. I mean, he, when I was talking to the coach, the coach said, you know, he's coach also coaches track and field at the school. And he says, you know, he, most of the time, Wafel's over with the sprinters or the hurdlers doing like their drills and not really mm-hmm. working on the throwing portion, although he is a shot putter for the team. So kid's a very explosive player in a straight line, which at that nose position, being a penetration style nose, I, I think that that really fits into how they see him and the role in the defense that they need.
1: Yeah, and I think that's going to be the interesting piece, Ryan, for me, is how does that part of his game grow? Because, again, he is a younger kid, and he's either going to grow and get tighter or he's going to grow and get you know, more explosive, right? And and when you watch him, he puts a lot of film out in regards to him working on like, uh, hurt, like hurdles, like you talk about the hurdles, right? He's working on you know, jumping over them, doing like lateral things, like so – Uh, doing footwork drills. So he clearly is trying to put in the work to improve that flexibility. Yeah, exactly. And that, cause that's a thing where, you know, you're going to continue to improve and grow. But again, as a nose, those things aren't quite as, if we're being honest, those things aren't quite as important. Those are things that I think hurt him. If you're talking about him trying to grow into an an edge or a Jason Adamiola type of three technique, but that's not his game. That's not what Mm -hmm. you're recruiting him to do. He is a bull. And, and I think that those things don't don't quite matter as much if if you're if you're playing that position. So I think I think that's the thing, too, It's how you evaluate him is going to is going to be determined by what position do you see him playing. If you think he can get if you don't think he can get the size to be a nose, then you're going to you're going to ding him a little bit. If you if because you're he's just not a he's not going to be a 12 tackle for lost guy as three technique and he's not a big end. If you're someone who thinks he can be a nose, then I think that raises his value and his ability to be a part of a really good part of this class. Uh, so I think that factor, that, that fit really matters for him more. Like with Brandon Davis Swain was like, is he a big end? Is he a three technique? Don't care. I think he projects to both. I think right. with Owen, I do think there's a little bit more of a more narrow projection three technique as a run defender only, but nose is where he could really have an impact in my opinion, Ryan.
4: Yeah, no, I agree completely. And one thing that I really loved about the conversation with his coach, Coach Davis Brian, was the fact that he told—I mean, he—he he called him an anomaly. And uh, again, this is a this is a school that has had good success producing talents. And the basically saying that, like, this kid's a rare player, man. Like, mm-hmm. I don't get these kids every year. I mean, not even just from the talent level perspective of what they traditionally get at the Hunt School. He talked all about his work ethic. He said an elite athlete. Who is an elite worker? And that's something that really kind of stood with me when evaluating. Because when you watch this film, which I know again, we're gonna get into <clears throat> kids and Energizer bunny, man. Like he has an incredible motor. I mean, the first clip that we're gonna show you is him playing fullback. And again, playing at the Hunts School, which is a good school here in New Jersey, and being the player that he is already as a sophomore and being a starter on the defensive line, also playing fullback, also playing some tight end. I think it speaks volumes to the to the player that he is from a physical perspective but also just the energy that he plays with the the hard-working nature and even if he doesn't end up being a phenomenal player at Notre Dame this is a kid that's like a glue player for your roster right like I I can see him just being a consistent member like this is a I think he's a little more physically gifted from a athleticism perspective than a Kurt Heinish but like I get Kurt Heinish vibes like this is a guy that's just a sticking point to this class
1: that's it right there so let, let's be honest. If if it was my call, I don't know if I would have took him this early. My call, right? But so that was my initial reaction. So as I did some digging and started talking to people, this is a, that's that right there is exactly what you keep hearing. Like, look, we understand this is not the same type of. This is not a Keon Keely, a Brendan Vernon, a Bubakar, a Jason Moore, a uh, you know um, uh, Devin Houston type of guy. This is a different kid. And from what I was told by a couple different people is that, that Coach Freeman values greatly the, the, the fact that you can't ever, you have to have different types of personalities on your football team. And it's not just always about recruiting the highest ranked or most physically gifted guy. You need guys on your team that are going to bring that warrior mentality to your football team. It's why they went after Preston Zinter. Yes, there are more athletic or bigger or highly ranked guys in Preston Center, but you know what he's going to bring? He's going to bring a lot of what Drew White brought to the table in a bigger body, right? And and you need guys like that, you know. And he would point at you know Cincinnati. Not every guy was was Sauce Gardner or J Sanders. Some guys were Daring Beaver. Some guys were the DeBlanco kid, right? Some of these guys were just glue players. I think is a word you use. it was that I think that was a word that you used. And that's yeah. Kurt Heinisch, right? Like Kurt Heinisch was not. I mean, he went undrafted. Right. But he was a four five year player at Notre Dame. That was a key cog in some really good defensive lines, because what we talked about with Kurt was he was going to bring it every single day. Does that kid look like he works, misses a workout? And you see photos of, of Owen Wafel, A kid doesn't miss workouts. Right. No. And he's the kind of guy that's just, you know, it, it's kind of like what you expect to find from the best kids in Jersey. It's like, they're going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, a little bit of, I don't know if chip on their shoulders a little bit of an edge to them. Right. Like uh, like you're going to get kids. are going to be high motor, hardworking. That's kind of what you expect to find from a kid like this, from the state of New Jersey. We're relentless. We're relentless in Jersey word. And that's something Marcus Freeman wants. And I know you're being funny, but it's also very apropos because again, one of the best teams I ever coached on over half our roster was filled with Jersey kids. And you know, it, 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 that's just, you expect certain things from them. And I think Marcus Freeman is very intentional about finding kids like this. So even though when I went into the conversation, I was like, yeah, you're going to have to convince me of this one. Cause I'm not seeing it. Cause like, that's the thing is like, we may love a coach or what they're doing, but we're not just going to praise every decision they make. Right. I mean, that's not what we do. And if, again, if it was up to me, I don't think I would have taken him right now, but when you understand why they're taking him, you're like, okay, I get it. It makes sense. Right. Because he's the kind of kid that you're like, this is the kind of kid we will never get outworked by an opponent if we have kids like that on our football team. And that's what they're looking for. And then you surround him with a Devin Houston, with a Bubakar, with Keon Keely, Brendan Vernon's guys who maybe are the longer, more talented guys. But then this kid's just going to try to just punch in the mouth every single snap and battle you. I mean, you're going to have a four quarter fight on your hands with this kid. And that's what they're looking for. And that tells me something, not just about what they've seen from him as they've gotten to know him and see more film of him and all these type of things. But it tells me a lot about Marcus Freeman, understanding that there's more to to building a football team than just landing the most talented players possible, especially at Notre Dame. And that also told me a lot. So I think this pickup right now, because you know, it's not a panic move. They're absolutely killing defensive line recruiting right now. there's a reason they took this and it's either a a misevaluation or b they see something that this kid brings that they want more of on their football team beyond just being you know talented and in my opinion after talking to them it's the latter not the former because my concern was you know or you know why are you taking this kid early you you hear that and then you you see it and then the other part too is Ryan. you know there's some people that have kind of been like hey um you know, why are you taking this kid early? And, and I think that is, just speaks volumes to where Notre Dame's defensive line recruiting is. This is a top 250 football player. You know? top, two, top 200 by a couple, yeah. <laughs> and we're like, should you really take this guy that early? I mean, it just speaks volumes to the way that, that Al Washington and, and Marcus Freeman are, and now Al Golden are combining. Because what I was told is Al Washington is the primary recruiter, but Al Golden was very involved in this one as well, being a Jersey guy was very involved with this one as well. So I think when you hear that explanation, Ryan, it makes a lot of sense why Notre Dame not only took him, but pushed to get him this early in the class. Because as you said, he had no intention of committing this early. And I think Notre Dame kind of used the whole, do you see what's on our board? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, do you see what we're doing? You know, you may not want to wait too long, right? And I think he didn't make the same mistake that I think maybe – to this point in time, maybe Ronan Hannafin is is in regards to wanting to let this thing play. He's like, look, I know where I want to go. That's where I want to be. Let's make it happen now.
4: Yeah, and I, I think that when you look at an own Waifel, it, I, it, although he has a top 200 caliber billing as a recruit, I feel like he's a player that a lot of people are just going to kind of overlook a little bit in the process. And I wouldn't be shocked if we we're looking down the line. This kid was a five, a player that played at Notre Dame for five years, mm-hmm. similarly to a a guy like a Kurt Heinisch, and was just a really solid player in whatever capacity he is. I, this is again, I don't want to paint a guy as a as a glue player because usually there's a little bit of a underrated connotation True. for that, and he's a top two hundred player, so like it's not like he's just scraps here. He's like, the, the kind of glue, glue kid player. that a team
1: that's trying to win a championship should do. Not a team that's trying to be top ten like Notre Dame has been in the past. This be top ten. to be good enough. We can't. But yep. when you're a team like you're trying to beat the Bama's and the Georges and the Clemsons, this is need. This needs to be your glue guy. This level of player needs to be your glue guy. So I think it's okay to say that, Ryan, because yeah, we're we're, we're talking about you're trying to raise the bar, right? And and when you look at a kid like this, you're like because it, it it does bring value, right? I think that glue part is important because again, if you don't have that, the whole thing falls apart, right? Absolutely. And that's well, the whole and I, point.
4: I mean, a guy that I think of similarly like that, and maybe this is a comp, maybe it's not, I don't know, but Derek Landry was kind of a glue guy, but he ended up being a really good player for Notre Dame his last couple of years, you know, but like, that's what he was. Like, I don't think he was that highly recruited of a player, Derek Landry, and he turned himself into a yeah. great football player. Like yeah. that's
1: undersized. That's what... Right. Exactly.
4: Exactly. exactly. And, and who knows how big this kid is going to be again, 275 right now. His father's six seven, he's a shade under six foot three. Maybe he's a guy that ends his high school career. He's a six four kid with and the one thing that his coach said that I, I'm looking forward to kind of getting a real measurement on someday, Brian. But you know, he said that he has insane length for a guy right. that, that is his height. I don't know how true that is. It
1: could be Coach Talk, right. it could not. It be, doesn't but, really sh- like he has good, you no know, solid length, and we'll show this on film, sure. but it doesn't look like he has that elite length like we've seen some of these other guys have had. So Ryan, you know what time it is, right? It's time to watch film time. It's time time. to watch some film. There's no Mm -hmm. doubt. So let's get into some film here, Ryan. Uh, We are going to break down Owen Wafel's film. So let's get that on there. And uh, he is number 32. The, as Ryan said, the first clip we're going to be looking at is of him playing fullback and he is not going to be playing fullback for Notre Dame. Although you never know, he may, he may get into some, some stuff, but I just, I love the fact that he starts this film off just destroying that poor kid. Here's it defensive end. The, the, the one thing that you'll see from him, Ryan, and this is, again, that play right there shows me this kid is an interior guy. He has no intention of running around this offensive tackle. I don't know if I've ever seen him on film try to run around someone. That's not his game. Yeah. His yeah. game is this right here. I'm going to go through you. That's a pretty decent-sized kid. Mm-hmm. You got to understand the league he plays against, they send a lot of kids to 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 Division One, 1AA type of school. So, um get off is not again he's not an edge player i think you see that pretty quickly but the the strength you see the power in the hands he's a really powerful kid. the one thing i noticed right and i don't know if you agree with this his block destruction technique is very much a work in progress he just yeah. kind of mauls he needs so that's something he's gonna have to do a better job of is learning how to get off blocks and things like that but he, he's yeah. just—he's so powerful. He's like a bull in the china yeah. shop right now. There needs to be a little more nuance right. to how he attacks
4: things. Right, he, he's, he's fullback
1: later. right here. I think I like a short that, area. Man. Yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Oh no, I was going to say short yardage. Get him in a fullback. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. for it. His short area quickness and bur- and vertical burst is a little bit better than his lateral quickness. As I think you'll see in some of these fullback stuff. You know, like good get off, but like that's not edge get off right there. You know, no. that's that's interior get off.
4: Now, and he's, again, I think you're going to see there's a little bit of tightness with him, right? Mm-hmm. He's a linear winner, and that's fine. As a nose, you don't have to be an incredible change of direction guy. You need to be able to attack a gap, and I think that he has cool. that in him.
1: Here's another example. He, he just He's looking for contact, right? He embraces contact. He just throws this guy to the side. I mean, there's no technique there. It's just power and effort. And that's all, I mean, that's what it is. That's who he is right now. He's a power effort guy, Ryan. He he doesn't really have great, te- and that's not a shot at his, his college, high school. Coach. He's a sophomore in high school. Sure. Like, there aren't a lot of sophomores in high school that are great technicians. I think the fact that he's a starter at, at the Hun School at, at his age, I think, says a lot about the potential he brings to the table, in my opinion.
4: Yep. Yeah, and, and just a little context to my conversation with a couple of the coaches, They said, and again, I think it was 71 players they've put on scholarship over the last eight years from the program. So it's been a very successful program. They said that they may have never had a kid that has this combination of explosiveness and physicality Mm -hmm. that they've had. So
1: he doesn't like to get, he doesn't, it's like, it's almost like he doesn't want to get off a block because that means he can't keep hitting somebody. Right. You know, like he's a really physical, mean kid. And he's playing, he's just, but that's all he is right now. Like he's, he's still learning the nuances of the game which is there's going to be a lot of value i mean there's a lot of potential for production once that part of his of his game comes this is one of the clips inside and this is where i like this is where you see just a little bit quicker i think he likes the action getting on him sooner i think that's Mm -hmm. going to be a good why he's a good fit there this is actually one of the clips where you actually see him use his hands to really beat a block and get around a guy yep but where's he doing it at inside
4: yeah no I think that's wh- i i think that's where it's going to be best sir because that, that athleticism is just a different caliber inside it really is and i mean but brian he i mean he's just the kid that again like you say like he seeks contact he mm-hmm. is a physical physical football player it's not like there is a tenacious
1: kind of feeling with mm-hmm. with a kid like this tenacious i think is a good word again is this does is he the athlete that the that the, most of the linemen they're getting are no no he's not. But again, that's not what they're recruiting him to do. Like this is an example of him kind of, you see this, this, this is not, this is not a highlight, right? Like he kind of gets beat there, but you see the motor. He never stops. Like you said, relentless. He spin moves out of this and then bam, I'm going to go make a play. And then it ends up turning into a tackle for loss. That's a pretty decent get-off right there. Again, vertical get-off. That's that's what he can do. That's where I like him. He's He's got a little bit of explosiveness when it comes to just that quick vertical release. Yep. Yeah, you don't want him bending angles. You want him mm-hmm. moving in a straight line. hmm Again, got to work on the block destruction. That's definitely going to be a big part of, of where he's got to take his game. Here's another one playing inside. This is a nice get-off. And he has a natural low center of gravity to him. Yep. He's got like naturally good pad level. And as he learns even more to keep his shoulders low, it's going to be even a, a bigger impact. Well, he's taking on two guys. This kid's got a great motor. he has got a lot of natural power, you know? a lot of
4: natural yep. power.
1: He literally just ran through two guys. Ooh, that's the, you can see the little bit of that swagger, that edge I was talking about. Like he just kind of stands over this guy. Like I just destroyed you. Good. I just love the hustle. And you. You see this on film constantly from him, just just constantly trying motor, 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 motor. And I'm I'm fine
4: again. If you want to throw him in as goal line fullback, make fullbacks great again. I am against slot. that
1: because the last time Notre Dame tried to put a defensive player in at fullback, it was against South Florida in 2011, and on that play, Jonas Gray fumbled and South Florida ran turned to like 95 who, yards for who touchdown. Who was the defensive lineman? Uh, Ethan Johnson, and they also had Manti Te'o on the on their fullback as well. Gotcha. Yeah, strong, high motor, good vertical burst, and he's just a sophomore. Mm-hmm. He just he looks so much more comfortable coming off the line when he's when he's playing when he's got somebody outside of him. You know, when he's kind of attacking vertically and up the middle.
4: Yep, and I think it says a lot for him that he also is a two way player on mm-hmm. the team that he that on the program he plays for.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you see this little dip right here? He does have this. You'll see this flash on film like when he, he he'll get like he'll rip under a guy, you know what I mean? When he when he when he thinks he's got the low battle, he'll get under a guy. Yep. I do like that. These poor offensive lines are playing by the way. These defense yeah. this defensive line is eating them yep. alive. Yep. Yeah, he's got he's got some good film. So that is Owen Wafel on film. And I think you guys will all everybody will see this, Ryan is strong for his age. He is strong. I mean, he's got some really impressive physicality for his game. And then you see the quickness. You see, you know, the vertical quickness. You also see some of the tightness. You see the powerful hands, but you also see a guy that still needs a lot of work from a technical standpoint, which, again, sophomore, that's going to be the case. So I think overall, Ryan, even though it was a pickup that I'm not going to lie, I did not, like, my initial reaction was like, really? Because why? Why do I have that reaction? Same probably the reason you had it, Ryan, is because like mm-hmm. men are bringing in like all these top 100 guys. Do you really want to bring in a guy? You know, that was my initial reaction. Uh, but when you talk to them, it does make a lot of sense. And, you know, yeah. look, he, he's six two, six three is where he's listed as. He's 270. You saw his dad. He's just a sophomore. He's probably going to grow an inch. At, you know, I don't know if he'll grow more than an inch, but, you know, a sophomore to senior, you usually see taller kids will grow an inch, right? You're, you're going to see him. He's going to be minimum 290 pounds by the time. He, I'll be shocked if he's not 290 by the time he's a senior in high school because, he again, he's got two years of high school left. So I think you're going to look at a kid that minimum when he's done playing college football or high school football is going to be 6'3", 290 minimum. Sure. Yep. And, I mean, that's that's significant, That's 20 pounds bigger than what Kurt heinrich was when he finished playing high school football. Right? Yep. So the point being, you're not going to have to – pump up 30 pounds onto him to get him big enough to play nose guard it, like they did Kurt Heinisch. And if he can bring even close to the motor and the attitude that Kurt Heinish brought to the table, you're, you're going to love him. So For sure. uh, you, you, you see what makes him good, Ryan. And, again, you now couple him after Devin Houston, who I think I view, and you, you may disagree. Tell me if you do. I see Devin Houston as being sort of like the one in this combination because he's bigger, he's more athletic, he's more of a disruptor then you bring in Owen Wafel as sort of that guy off the bench that comes in and okay now you've had to deal with Devin Houston and what he can do now this kid's going to come in and just punch you in the mouth punch you in the mouth punch you in the mouth and then you rotate through that that and all of a sudden you're looking at the nose guard position saying this has a shot to be a pretty darn good position moving forward with with the, with these kind of kids so um, i think that's kind of where where i look at this and say boy i think i think this is this is this commitment makes a lot more sense to me now than it did when it when I first heard that they were they were going to take him. So it's a it's good pickup.
4: Yeah, and, and I, I think one note that you kind of alluded to for me is last show we were talking about the wide receiver room and how we like that they all have different styles. I think that kind of goes to the same position for nose tackle, right? Like you want guys that kind of bring a little bit different, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like you have Devin Houston that can do a little bit of everything, could even play some three-tech in a pinch, obviously. And then you bring in a guy like this where – I mean, if you're having a tough time, you know, kind of working in pursuit, and you just want to put this kid as a tilted nose on the backside and just have him wreak havoc, like this there's a penetration upside to both players, but it's different type of penetration. You know, Devin Houston's gonna win more about being a flexible athlete on the interior. And then this kid um is going to win more on just being a really explosive first step mover in an Owen Wayfall, a mm-hmm. guy that has really good pad level and really good first step explosion. So there's different ways to create that penetration, but I think combining that with a couple of the different type of players that we have on the roster right now, if you're Notre Dame, I think that there is a lot of upside with an Owen in that role. I I really do. And again, I don't want to undersell him. Because again, it's a top 200 player. <laughs> like, I don't, I just don't want it to come off as like, this guy's a throw in. I mean, yeah. top 200 player in the class right. for 2024.
1: It's right just now. that you're bringing him in to do something different than you're bringing in a Keon Keeley or a Jason Moore. That, that's the point, right? It's he may do more of the dirty work. You may look at the end of the game. He's got three tackles and a half a tackle for a loss. And you're like, all right, whatever. And then you pop into film and you're like, God, the, the, the linebacker had 15 tackles because they couldn't get off the double team because he just was bullying into the double team. And so the linebackers running through and you're like, yeah, he got no credit for that because the tackle went to the mic. But that nose guard who's just kicking you in the face every play is not letting you get up to the mic. And so your mic's running free and junior two, I has 15 tackles in a game, you know, four tackles for loss. And you're like, man, that's a great game. And you're like, yeah, because they couldn't chop They couldn't block them. And that was the impact that Lewis Nix had on, you know, for the Notre Dame defense in 2012. And so, you know, you have a guy like that and it, it, there, there's a lot of value, but again, I think it speaks volumes that we're, we're having to talk ourselves into why Notre Dame took a kid who's a, top, a four-star record a top 250 player. It says a lot about the job that, they, that they've really been doing since Marcus Freeman got here, but especially since him and Al Washington have combined. Because th- that's the really, the, the really impressive thing, Ryan, is when you look at what Al Washington has done. Since he arrived in January, he has secured four commitments, correct? And also was able to convince Keon Keeley to stay in the class. That's a pretty good less than half of a year at your new job. You talk about, you know, you want to, you want to make a good first impression with your bosses and with the fan base, Al Washington has shown, Hey, this is how you do it. (laughs) I mean, right. And he's not done yet. I mean, that's the thing is they've got a lot of kids. They still got Jason Moore in the 2023 class and the list of 2024 players is, is very, very impressive. Right. There's no question about it. So Al Washington uh, uh, is just killing it right now.
4: I think uh, Washington might be good at his job. I think it's very yeah. possible that we can yeah. we can infer that he is pretty decent at his job. Yeah. I
1: would say no, there's no doubt. There's no <laughs> doubt. So Brandon Plesner with a great super chat. When you super chat for a segue that we were going to do is obviously my favorite thing in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. Brandon with a super chat. Thank you, Brandon. Who are the five to six 2024 defensive line targets Notre Dame should now turn their attention main focus to without have with already having. Wayful and Davis Swain committed in the class. So we talked about this a little bit on the earlier show. And we said that we would talk about it more in the, the, this show. So let's dive into that, Ryan. Let's dive into sort of the 2024 class. First of all, uh, the numbers in the class are going to somewhat depend on what you do with, if you're able to get Jason Moore or not. Mm -hmm. And so I think four is the minimum again if you get Jason Moore it makes it easier to get to five I think we'll see how uh, they do moving forward I think another thing is is when you look at the way that they're recruiting the D line it tells me more and more and more that they do plan on being more of a four down front moving forward which is something we we were a little bit unsure of when you when you looked at it because we weren't sure just exactly you know would coach Freeman continue to do what he did at Cincinnati would they adjust to maybe more what Notre Dame does and it looks like Al Golden is uh, and Coach Freeman are, and 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 Marcus Al Washington are all kind of combining to 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 put this thing together, it does look like they're going to be more of a four down with the potential to be three because when you recruit as many big ends like they're having, it's super easy to transition to a three down if the need is there. But there's, from a pure number standpoint is more of what I'm focusing on, not the type of player but the number. They're recruiting a lot of guys, too many guys to be a three down, a, a, a regular like a base defense is a three down, I think. So yep. let's dive into some of the numbers. I think there's two ways to look at it, Ryan. There's number one is to look at the ends, and number mm-hmm. one to look at the guys that project more as interior players. So let's sure. first talk about the ends, and we'll build on what we discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. And that is, there's really three guys in my view uh, that right now Notre Dame is focused on at the top. Now there's other guys in the list. There's Sterling Dixon. Uh, From Louisiana, who they're recruiting. There's Marquise Lightfoot from Illinois, who's a very intriguing player. They just recently offered Brian Brian Robinson from Ohio. Joshua Lloyd is a kid that they're recruiting from the state of Florida. Ernest uh, Willer from Maryland is a guy, but I think there's three guys right now that I think are at the top of that list as far as edge players. And, and ends. And the first one is that, that I want to talk about is a kid that, that you really like a lot and you've written about before. And that's Elijah Rushing. Yeah, you know, let's we'll, we'll go Elijah Rushing. We'll go Nigel Smith. We'll go Joshua uh, uh, Jason Ross. And then we'll talk about the interior guys. But I want to first begin with uh, really looking at at El- Elijah Rushing, because, you know, he's a guy that, Ryan, you have felt really since you started talking to him, that he's a kid that you felt you know there's a there's a clear interest with him in Notre Dame. Um, I mean, on, on both sides, I mean, both sides clearly are, are very high on him and I'm going to pull up some film of these kids as we're talking, just so people can kind of get a sense of, of what these guys are doing, uh, Ryan. So talk to me about Elijah rushing and, and where things stand, like what you know of him and your conversations. And we can also, we can also pop in some film and talk about what we see on film as we're, as we're breaking it down.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that Elijah rushing, of course, is out of Arizona, six five, two hundred twenty five 225 pounds he's a really long athletic defensive end who I think changes direction really well for his size. And at 6'5", 225 only as a sophomore, I could imagine him being a, a big end eventually, right? Being that strong side defensive end because I think he has the frame. He's still well put together for his age, but like there's a lot of room to grow for him. So I think he's going to fit early on if he doesn't get a ton bigger in as a Viper because I think he's a pretty nice athlete for the position. But I could see him being that guy that could kind of, mix and match at both uh, Viper and strong side defensive end down the line. And I think that his length and just explosiveness is what really pops off the screen for you. And for me, you know, the first time talking to him, he just said, you know, where, where I come from, Notre Dame's the the cool place to go, you know, and he kind of talked a little bit about the, you know, obviously coming from a Catholic school that, you know, there's immediate interest just off of getting up there. And then he, mentioned way after he visited that he got a chance to meet Keon Keeley. And I I think Mm -hmm. that honestly seeing Keon and him have kind of a similar frame that he's just kind of like, wow, like that's what I think I could potentially be from Notre at Notre Dame. So high interest. He's a national recruit, top 100, top 50 caliber type of player. So there's going to be a lot, a lot of competition for him, but a really talented football player that I think could fit into a couple of different roles in this defense down the line.
1: Well, it's it's interesting. You know, we've talked a lot about how, just the difference in re- in evaluations and rankings from the different services. And Elijah's another example. He's he's ranked as the number 7 player in the country by on3, number 16 by 247 sports and then Rivals has him at 96, which I mean it's still high but you know there's a big difference between number 7 and number 96 but you know to me I I actually think he's going to outgrowing that position that viper position a little bit. At least Or, or, let me rephrase, instead of he being less like a Keon Keeley and being more like an Isaiah Foskey, Mm -hmm. you know, 260, 265 kind of power Viper, which is what I think Foskey is, right? Uh, Isaiah Foskey and Keon Keeley are not real similar players, in in my opinion. They're different players. And the nice thing about the way that Notre Dame runs their defense is I think you can play a Keon and and a Foskey together if they're your two best guys. So let's say Notre Dame recruits Elijah rushing to be a Viper. And you're down here, and by his sophomore year, it's very clear that him and Keon Keeler are the two best players on your defensive line. That's fine. He can he can easily move to the big end position, you know, and and I think handle that role by the time he gets to college. There's no doubt about it. But you see that right there, though, that play right there? He doesn't always do this. I think that's the thing is, you know, because he is a young player. He's still learning the game. But this is when you see, oh, yeah, that's top 10 player. He doesn't always show this burst, right? At times, his, his get-off is a little bit inconsistent, but look at the length and the get-off on this particular – I mean, that tackle has no chance. And I think as he develops and gets more experience, look how fast his hands are right there. He's a pretty raw kid still because he's a sophomore, but the sure. tools for him are just outstanding, right? He is a very, very talented football player, and you can see why some people already view him as a five-star caliber prospect. There's no doubt about
4: that. He's gifted and he has length for days, man. You could just see his arm length is just, Mm -hmm. it
1: pops off screen. I mean, he is quick too. He's very quick. Yes. Very talented football player. Now uh, I think he likes Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is in in a good place with him. I know Notre Dame likes him a ton. Uh, but there are some West Coast schools that are making a hard push. Oregon obviously is one of those schools that's making a hard push for him. So there are some other programs that will be in the mix. Notre Dame is going to have to battle for him. That's that's going to – there's no doubt. So even though I think he likes Notre Dame, he is an elite prospect. He's a guy that everybody is going to be coming after. So it's going to be very interesting. But to kind of Brandon's point, I think one of the nice things is you've already got two kids in the class, two good football players in the class. You know, Owen mm-hmm. Waifel is a top 250 kind of kid. Brandon Davis Swain is a top – 100 to 150 kind of kid now it's like okay that's the foundation now go out and get those top players and so you can you can devote more resources to it the next guy i want to talk about ryan is nigel smith i know this is one of your favorite players in this class he is a a young man from texas from melissa texas 6'4 245 as he's listed by some he's listed by others as you know over 260 big end kind of kid that could maybe grow into a three technique I know he's one of your favorite players. I'm going to pull his film up here and we'll watch him. But this is another one, Ryan. This is this is 23 and 24 back to back. Two really, really good defensive line classes. And uh, Nigel Smith is 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 a really, really good football player.
4: Yeah, last time I talked to Nigel, he was told me that he was already 265 pounds as only mm-hmm. a sophomore. So he could be another kid that. Big ends, but could outgrow it pretty quickly and be a three tech. Like it's very yeah. possible that that happens. He kind of gives me Jason Moore vibes. Like he's just long, violent, explosive. Maybe not as quite as flexible or bendy as you know a, a Keon Keely, obviously, or Elijah Rushing, even. But he's a he's got just got that power profile to him, right? Like he he could be a Justin Tuck type of defensive end, or he could eventually fit inside as a three tech. Like I think him and Jason Moore have. Pretty, pretty high a lot of similarities from a defensive line perspective.
1: Do you know who he reminds me of? And a lot and, and people that have been listening to the show for the last year are gonna are gonna know what kind of compliment this is. He reminds me a ton of Anthony Lucas. You know, like big, huge end that could eventually grow into a three technique. And you know, you look at the length in this, you see the great frame, you see the length. You know, again, is he as fluid as as Elijah Rushing? No, but they're different players. You know, it's sure. like trying to compare Keon Keeley's athleticism to Bubakar or Jason Moore and say, well, you know, Jason Moore is not as explosive as Keon Keeley not have to be. He's not a viper. He's a big end. Yeah. You know, and I think when you look at this kid, you see a kid that's very athletic, you know, for that size, you know, 250 pounds. He's got really fast hands, has to learn to use them, but very fast hands, really, really impressive natural power that I think could easily be a big end at the next level. And if he, can't, if he can't stick at the big end, or if he can stick there, but you're better off, you know, if he gets up to 290 and he ends up, you know, you've got other big ends that are just as good, then you can say, this is a kid that can go inside and be a disruptive, disruptive Jason Adamiola type of player. So this kid brings a lot of talent, a lot of potential, another Texas kid, you know, I'm on that Texas kick, Ryan, that they've <laughs> got to get more and more kids from Texas. But yep. this is a big time player, and I mean you've 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 said this too, Ryan. I remember after you talked to him for the first or second time, you were like, "Like Notre Dame's got a really legitimate shot with this kid. Like th- this is a top yeah. fifty player that has a very high interest in Notre Dame right now." I think so, and
4: especially as Notre Dame continues to have success in Texas in the twenty twenty three cycle, I think that that obviously even improves. You know, in that regard, I know he's high on Oklahoma, like a couple other defensive linemen are in the class, including David Stone. So, I mean, it's going to be a battle to get him away, you know, away from the the south down there. But I think that they have a legitimate shot here. And I mean, honestly, like this kid is fide five-star player for me yeah. because i think that he has length i think he has power i think he's explosive but i also think for his age he's got a lot of hand nuance yeah. that's kind of rare man like he's got some violent and quick hands for his size um for his age and i think he knows how to get off a of block so i'm a big fan for of a Jones, sophomore man. yeah i think he, i think his
1: hands need a lot of work relative to where he needs to be but for a sophomore yes like he's much further along than for example owen Wafel is Here's the other interesting thing, Ryan, you talked about him being an elite player and all this. He's already been to campus twice. He's already been twice on his own dime. So there's clearly interest there. And I also don't think there's, there's gotta be family interest there too. Cause remember these unofficial visits are you're paying for it, not Notre Dame. So for his family to, to make two trips from Melissa, Texas up to South bend, Indiana once last summer. And then once again, this season for a, for a game, it tells you right there that there's a lot of interest. Now, There's it's going to be a battle, but this is one that Notre Dame is flat out entering the season. I would say he has got he has got to learn more like rushing to be more consistent with that get off. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's really good. Sometimes it's not. But man, the raw tools there are really, really impressive from a ranking standpoint, Ryan. I think he's actually a little underrated, to be honest with you. And I agree. I actually found his, I was a little surprised at some of his rankings, to be honest with you. Uh, Rivals has him at number 50 overall, which is good. Number three defensive lineman. 247 has him at number 42. And then on three has him at number 113, as the number 22 player in Texas. If there are 21 players in his class better than him in the state of Texas, then Notre Dame needs to only recruit the state of Texas that year. I mean, (laughs) just don't recruit any other, any other states because, I mean, that's going to just be an absurd amount. I'm being sarcastic because there's no way there's 21 better players in the state of Texas. I don't know that for a well, fact, we'll, but I just, I have a hard time believing that.
4: We'll, we'll see how everything it develops with him, Brian, obviously, because he's got two years left, but I would be surprised at the, at the end of it if there's 21 players better than him in the nation, to be Correct. honest with you. That's like, kind of my that point. That's kind
1: of my point is there's no flipping way that this kid is, 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 the 22nd best, but I would say this, I would be even, I'd even probably argue with you if you wanted to say there's 21 better players than him in the state of Texas. If you look at both classes, 23 and 24, I think that Fair. would be, I'd debate that with you. Uh, and it's a, Texas is loaded, but to have him 22nd player in the state of Texas just seems a little, a little crazy. It also seems to me, how can you have a kid ranked 113th, but yet in 22 of the top 113 players in the culture from the state of Texas, like okay that's that seems a little bit a little bit much for me and I'm someone who's a big pro uh, pro state of texas guy yeah so let's get to this next guy Ryan J. Sean yep. Ross not a name that a lot of people know we have not had a chance to really connect with him yet so we don't have a lot about his recruitment other than the fact that this is a guy that the Notre Dame staff is very high on he is a kid from Kansas City Missouri we know that Notre Dame is trying to make a, a run into the state of Missouri and he's a kid that is uh fr- fr- goes to St. Pius X, so obviously he goes to a private school. I believe that's a private school. And so we're going to watch this film, and I just love the fact that we're talking about a defensive end. That the first play we're going to watch on film is of him playing a wide receiver, which I absolutely love. And and he's cl- he's clearly not a wide receiver by right. that. Right? But look that at that! But look at yeah. that! How <laughs> exactly. many defensive ends can make that catch? Right? And that, exactly. that that's my thing. But this is a this kid's a pure viper. I mean, this is a pure viper type of prospect long athletic lots of tools he is a big ball of clay because he doesn't really know what he's doing yet but you know the thing that i was impressed by and you see it there the first time i watched this film the thing i was surprised by is this kid plays hard he does like you kind of think about those like those those longer athletic guys that aren't super big you're like he's going to be athletic but can he really handle the athletic part of the game this kid plays hard and and that's, how many dns can do that right well,
4: that's that's the thing that popped to me is even that that play that we saw there like he's very flexible yes. and he has great recovery skills yes. like he's getting close to the ground a, a lot of times and he's able to kind of just kind of contort his body in weird place to yes. you know get his body back in position like it's very impressive for his size this is
1: a defensive end doing this folks and here's the even crazier part not one service ranks him in the top 100 ryan He's ranked 125th by 247, 220 by rivals, and 278 by on three. There are not 277 better football players in the country than this kid. No, J- Just watch how quickly he changes direction, and again, the flexibility the most, But silly. the motor, though, it's like, that's the thing that gets me. He's like, there was the one play we saw earlier where he's got, like, three people trying to block him, and he just kind of fights through them and goes and makes a sack. You know, like, this kid's a really good football player. And somebody asked on, on a, a D troll hunters D troll hunter said, how long are this kid's arms? I don't know, but they're very long. Very, <laughs> <easy laughs> <answer. laughs> I like think they're super long. You know, th- this kid, this kid's got a ton. Oh. I mean, that's a defensive end, everybody. That's a D end making that play right there. You know, mm-hmm. like th- this is, this is uh this is a really, really, really talented player. That if you're talking about like drawing up a, a, a Viper in the lab for the 2023, I'm drawing up Keon Keeley. If you're gonna ask me to drop a Viper in the 2024 class, it's Jay Sean Ross.
4: <laughs> they're they're throwing it, they're throwing him screens, folks. Say, they're this, him screens. And he's
1: doing damage <laughs> with it, man. It's a defense. He's a six foot, he's listed at 6'3, six, 6'4, six, listed at 220 pounds. I mean, he's got some, some decent thickness to him, but he is a high motor. But see, usually when you use like the term high motor, high effort kid, you know, Ballard, you're thinking like a guy that's not, you're thinking like a Kurt Heinisch, Myra a Mosa type of kid. This is a kid with like Isaiah Foskey potential that also has that motor. And that's what I love about this kid. And I don't know if you've had a chance to watch this film yet, Ryan, but this mm-hmm. is a, I think you watched it, what, yesterday, day before, yep. something like that, first time yep. when we, when he when we kind of got put on the radar about him. But this is a, you're like, man, this kid. You're like, okay, th- this kid's really, 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 really good. Yeah, really, he's really
4: he's, good. he's one of the more flexible defensive ends I've seen in either the 2023 or 2024 class. Again, mm-hmm. guys, like it's when you're almost getting contorted to the ground and you still have the ankle flexibility to stay up and to be mm-hmm. able to change direction. Like it's not typical stuff. It's pretty mm-hmm.
1: rare. Yeah, really, really impressive kid, Ryan. Really impressive kid. So uh, I don't know where Notre Dame is with him. He hasn't visited before. I don't believe, I don't know that he has anything set up. We're going to, we're going to work on trying to get in, in contact with him and find yep. out kind of where things are there. We do know that Notre Dame likes him a lot. That's the one thing we do know is that he's a kid that Notre Dame is targeted early on uh, as a guy. <laughs> That's just excellent body control right there, but he's a, he's a very talented. Oh, <laughs> I love this kid's film in case y'all haven't noticed. Uh, I love this kid's film, and just that's what you want to know why, why, why does length matter? That's it, right there. That's it, yep. right there. This kid has no chance to get into his body, none.
4: He's got some pop in his hands, yeah. too. Yeah, uh, he's because he's undersized
1: right now, he's only 220 right. pounds, but he's right. got some pop in his hands, too. Yeah, this kid, this kid is there. I have no clue why he's ranked in the 200s. Like, seriously, what are you watching at that point in time to say this kid's in the 200s? I, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, it doesn't make because he's problems. a good That's the thing, is he's not just some raw kid that doesn't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Right. He's a football player. I mean, this kid's a football player, man. And uh he's he's really good. He's really good. So that is Jay Sean Ross, everybody. So I think now y'all know like why you get a little bit fired up about Jay Sean Ross because uh he's he's a really good football player, really good football player. And like I said, we'll we'll try to find out here soon, uh, you know, where things stand with him, but we do know that Notre Dame is trying to get involved with him. So that's the edge players, Ryan. And I, I think when I when I look at, at at the interior exterior players, I think it'd be nice to kind of get you got to get minimum one of those three. I think if you get one of those three to go with Brandon Davis Swain, you got yourself a really good edge class. If you can somehow get two of those three, I think now you're looking at it like, okay. This is this is really, really, really something good. I'll say this, though. My concern would be if the only one of those three you got was Nigel, uh, uh, Nigel Smith, that would make me a little bit nervous from, uh, OK, but do you have a Viper No, Right. Yeah. That would be my thing. It's like, you know, are you just going to say, well, we got two in 2022 when you got Keon in 2023? We're we'll be OK. will we maybe a, a linebacker and grow into it. But I would like to see I would like to see a, a a viper in this class. And I and I don't think Brandon Davis Swain is that guy. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think uh, I, I don't think Nigel Smith is that guy. I think Jay Sean Ross and Elijah Rushing are vipers. Different types yeah. of vipers, right? Where Jayshon Ross is a Keon Keeley type of viper. I view Elijah Rushing as more of a as more of an Isaiah Fosky type of viper, right? A bigger Fair. 250, 260. Type of guy, a little bit more fluid than Isaiah was. Not maybe not as powerful and, and twitchy as Isaiah was uh, coming sure. out of high school. So that's the edge guys. So let's talk a little bit about the interior guys, right? Uh, obviously, we talked about the the edge players earlier in the show. Now, mm-hmm. we'll talk about a couple interior guys. Obviously. Owen Wafel is that guy. So you just kind of filled one of your interior spots, right? Like that, 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 that spot's now kind of filled a little bit. So now it comes down to, okay, well now let's look at, see if there's another interior guy. And I I don't think they're going to take a whole lot, a whole lot more. I I did some digging into this today, obviously with, with Owen Wafel in the class uh, you have a, you have a guy, I see Ryan, you're updating that board. You know, Mm -hmm. there's Champ Thompson's a guy. I know they've talked to David Stone's a guy they've talked to, uh, you just said they offered a, a kid from Jersey named Jordan Thomas. Uh, yep. So we'll, we'll find out kind of that a little bit, but there is one guy, there are two guys for sure that mm-hmm. we know Notre, Notre Dame is, is going to look at as interior players. And sure. one of them is, is a local kid by the name of Justin Scott. Obviously we've talked about him. Let's pull up his film. Justin Scott is from Chicago, goes to St. Ignatius. We, we watched his film. Did we, did we pop in his film last a couple weeks ago, when we were or a week ago, I'm no, not sure. I think
4: I, I think we just talked about it. I don't yeah. think we popped think, it in. I
1: know we, you and I, were watching his film in a stream, but I can't remember if it was like after a show or not. But Justin Scott is listed as six five three ten. I don't know if he's three ten because he's so lean. I mean, he yeah. is not your typical three hundred ten pound sophomore. He is a lean, lean kid. And the thing is, I actually thought when you know, like know oh, this is probably a nose tackle. But when I talked to to you know people. Uh, familiar with his re- recruitment and and Sean talked to him it's three technique is what they've talked to him about and so yeah very well, interesting, I, I actually Ryan.
4: I actually touched base with him too Brian I remember we talked about that yeah they're selling him that he's a three tech that can do more like that's kind of what what the staff sees with him and which is not typical for I mean a sophomore that's listed at six five three ten again your immediate response would be that's a nose but then you see some of these plays that he makes in pursuit and you're like oh that's a little different. That's not your typical 310-pounder, and I agree. If he's 310 pounds, and that is the nicest-looking 310 pounds I have ever mm-hmm. seen, man. He wears it well if he is a legit 310 pounds.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. He's a, he's a he's a good athlete. That's the thing I like about him is you see him come off the line. Now he's, he's a bit raw, too. Again, it's just a, a common thing for sophomores, which is why I don't normally like looking at sophomores. He's got a really nice get-off. The thing that I was surprised by, Ryan, is – He's a pretty smooth athlete. Like he's not a super explosive athlete, like meaning like he's just going to come off the ball, and, you know, Jason Adamiola style. That's not what he is, but he's fluid. Like he's got, we talked about how Owen Wayful is a little bit tight, a little bit of tip tightness. That is not the case with Justin Scott. He is a very smooth athlete for a, such a big kid. And I mean, he's almost like a kid. You could even have him like maybe lose 10 pounds and then build it back up with muscle. Cause I mean, he's just got, he's got like a t- you know, a little bit of baby fat, but even then it's like, man, that's it's a pretty lean kid. Right. A really great frame. I'm told that he's a, he's a very high academic kid as well. It's still early. The, yep. the, I don't, I'm not, I don't personally know this, but some of the people I've talked to about the Chicago schools is this is one of the better schools in Chicago from the, of the, the of the uh, Catholic league from an from an academic standpoint Mm -hmm. so you know again if some of y'all from chicago can in the chat can let me know if that's accurate or not but that's what i've been told by some people that it's a you know so he goes to a school that's supposedly a really good academic school and you see how he moves that's a pounder like that That, that's
4: it's different it's different it's it's not a typical 310 pounder this kid this kid makes plays in pursuit that just should not be possible Mm -hmm. at his size
1: yep very, very impressive kid on film, Ryan. And, you know, again, this is an area that Notre Dame's got to lock up. Notre Dame, if there's a big-time kid from Chicago, Notre Dame's got to get that big-time kid from Chicago. And and Justin Scott's that kind of guy. Now, I think he is a kid that if you if you watch a little bit, I think there's, there's a little bit of a – because he's so big and strong, I don't think he realizes even what he can do. Yeah. I, I think there's another level for him from a consistency, from a get-off standpoint – just from a little bit of a sense of urgency standpoint, you know, like that play right there, that's not a great play. He's just huge and athletic and just better than everybody else. Sure. When he starts to get that part down, he's going to blow up. Like, for example, on three sports ranks him as the number three player in the country. I don't see that right now, right? No. I I don't see that just yet, but I'll say this. He's got the upside of that kind of player. Agreed. That's the difference. Uh, I think he can be that kind of guy. There's no question about it. So yeah, I th- I Scott.
4: think he's I think he's a top ten talent, top fifty player though. Right now, right? Yes. So like when you bridge that gap,
1: then yeah. you're talking special. Yes, yes. Just the natural talent alone makes him a top fifty player, right? So you know we'll see if he can take it to the next level. So that is that is Justin Scott. Obviously, he is a Chicago kid that Notre Dame is on. We'll we'll dive into some of the other defensive linemen here moving forward. But I just wanted to kind of show you some of the the top early targets and kind of break down their film a little bit gave a little a little uh, bonus film session there for you so you just got to watch film of five different defensive linemen obviously the four uncommitted kids plus Owen Wayful, who is now committed to Notre Dame so Ryan before we get out of here I do want to see if there's any questions that people want to get to about Owen Wayful and D-line recruiting and things like that we're not going to get into like a full Q&A uh, because you know but if you're if it's specific to the 24 D-line recruiting or Owen Wayful. I do want to. I do want to ha- handle those things. So here's a good one. Ryan is is uh, we'll kind of go through it. I'll I'll answer this one, and if you can kind of go through and start uh, popping some questions in there, yeah. Uh, but uh, Bobby Halfacre says, "Do you guys think that landing Wayful would hurt chances with Jason Moore?" And I, Ryan and I are in agreement on this one. No, it does not. For a couple reasons. Number one is you've let Jason Moore know you're our guy, right? I mean, you're our dude. You're in, you're in a class above, right? So you're not in the same class. And then the number two thing is is that they're a different position. And so Owen Wafel is being recruited as an interior guy, you know, kind of three technique to nose, most or nose to three technique. Jason Moore is being recruited as an end to three technique. And you know, he'll get a shot at that end I believe, but then, you know, potentially could also play three technique. So I don't believe that that in any way that that would hurt him. And I think if you know anything about Jason Moore, you don't go to Dematha and play in that league. Ryan, if you are a person who doesn't necessarily enjoy competition, not just competition on on the field on Friday nights, but also competition and who you're going to be going against every day in practice. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. And when you're looking at schools like Ohio State, Notre Dame and Penn State, you you don't look at them like, well, I want to go somewhere where I'm not going to, you know, I mean, I'm going to. I'm going to play I'm going to play right away and not have a lot of competition. So I don't right. think Jason Moore is a kid that's going to be worried about having to compete for for an opportunity. I think the fact that he's still considering Notre Dame says everything you need to know because if he was going to be afraid of if he was going to be sort of hurting your chances by getting him then it would have been landing Bubakar and Brennan Vernon and Devin Houston would be the thing that would concern him more than than landing Owen Wayful because they're just such different players. But right. that hasn't hurt him if anything it's helped. And also too y'all have to understand is because the game has changed so much, you don't play just four defensive linemen anymore. No. You're going to play eight guys a game, if you, hopefully, right? And so that's the other thing is like, hey, man, look, you're both going to play. Who's going to play between so-and-so and so-and-so? And so? Well, both. It, you know, In an ideal world, they're both going to get a chance to play. Mm-hmm. Brandon Plensner says the 2024 D-line dream class. Brandon mm-hmm. Davis Swain and Owen Waifel were now in the class. Justin Scott, Nigel Smith, and Elijah Rushing or – Ernest Willer Jr., who is, I believe, from Maryland, correct, Ryan? Yes, he is a Maryland kid. Yes. Also, a pure Viper. We'll break him down at some point in time down the road, but he is also more of a Viper kid as well. Mm-hmm. Tommy yeah. Guns with a super chat. What's that, Ryan? Were you going to say something else?
4: Oh, no. I was just going to say, yeah, Willer's like 6'4, 225, similar to, to Ross. That's all I was right. going to say.
1: Tommy Guns with a super chat. Just for fun, who would you vote for to be his high school patron saint? Attila? <laughs> this is about Owen Wayful uh brita or timor uh i
4: <laughs> obviously i told the Huns. Yeah. The Hun. uh,
1: absolutely Attila. you gotta go with the guy at the top man come on now <laughs> all right guinea guinea pig clips can this kid have a keely like rise my guess is is that was that came during the I conversation on ross or i think was it was it rushing? rushing okay i think it was rushing try yeah. to look at the times of when we were talking about kids um i but my answer to both would be yes i I mean, I I think the thing about rushing though Ryan is he's already kind of there, sure. In in most of the I mean, one had him like seventh, one had him sixteenth. He's already in that Keon Keeley range. Keon, when Notre Dame landed him last July, last June, he wasn't he wasn't even a top hundred player. It's crazy. I mean, which I think was wrong. I just think they didn't know about him yet. And in their defense, that was the first summer where kids were actually had to go out. Remember, the previous summer was the COVID summer and kids couldn't go to camps and you couldn't get out and see kids in high schools and stuff like that. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt in this than that one. But I don't think he I don't think I would say no, he's not gonna have a Keon Keely type of rise because he's already there from a ranking mm-hmm. standpoint. Jay Sean Ross to me would be one that would make more sense in regards to being able to make a Keely type of rise because he wasn't a guy that was ranked super high. Right uh, when they were kind of going through that process. So I think that would be the that would be for me the one that would be a little bit more like okay, I could see that happening, in my opinion. So that's fair. Yep. And then we have another question from D DMND13. What are the chances Wayful is the lowest ranked D line in the class, and how ridiculous of a class would it be if that ends up being the case? I, I mean if
4: if so if our dream class is something to the degree and we've already talked about, I mean. Because again, we're talking a dream class, so it's somewhat unrealistic to a degree, right? So if we're talking Elijah rushing in the class, if we're talking Nigel Smith, let's say a Jay Sean Ross, and is combined with Brandon Davis, Swain and a um, and an Owen Wafel, then yes, he would be the lowest ranked player in that regard. And I mean, I think that speaks about – I mean, we're we're talking about Devin Houston just just committed, right, Brian? A couple a couple a uh, few days ago, right? Mm-hmm. And he could end up being the lowest ranked defensive line defensive lineman in the 2023 class and he's a top 200 player and I kind of see I see similar that some people are going to underrate a little bit of what Owen Wafel is but that just speaks to the volumes of the recruiting job that Notre Dame's doing on the defensive line the last two cycles it's incredible mm-hmm.
1: we have a question here from uh, nothing personal heard some fans of Al Washington's former employers Michigan and Ohio State say that while he is a great recruiter he isn't a great coach hence why Ohio State fired him do you guys have any concerns he'll be in the same be the same in South Bend. A couple things. Number one, I don't care what an opposing team's fans say about a coach. I don't. You have some Notre Dame fans who don't think Harry He stands a great coach. Uh you had Tennessee fans. I remember a buddy of mine was was when Notre Dame hired Tennessee. He's like, Yeah, you know, he's just he's a, he's one of those people that like just believes everything that you know people on message boards say, right? Uh you know, uh Tennessee fans are are glad that he's gone. He wasn't that good of a coach. I'm like, okay, buddy, we'll see. Right. Like it wasn't that we weren't that far removed from him, you know, being the O-line coach of the Bears when they were in the Super Bowl. Right. And it's like, OK, we'll see. But Michigan fans didn't say that at the time. Michigan fans were all in their feelings that he left them for Ohio State. Right. I also don't think that he was a bad coach at Ohio State. He got he got let go because they did a staff change. And Ryan Day allowed the new defensive line coach to to bring in his own staff with with one exception. He got he had one exception. That was Larry Johnson which I would argue you made the wrong exception, but you know, I I think Ohio state's linebacker play up until this past year was good. In my opinion, I mean, two years ago, they had Malik Harrison. It's Malik Harrison. Correct. Uh, I thought that 2019 linebacking core for Ohio state was really good. And Al Washington, Barron Browning went from a guy with a lot of talent that could not play to a third round draft pick under Al Washington as well. I think that's part of the things too. So I, I don't, I don't believe that to be the case. To be honest with you, I think he's a much better coach than people give him credit for. And and I've and again, I just that's just kind of and the people that I talk to in the coaching business who are familiar with him as a coach will tell you the same thing. I think this guy's a football, good football coach. The other thing I'll say too, nothing personal, is I don't think he was coaching his best position at those two schools either. He was a linebacker coach at Michigan and he was a linebacker coach at Ohio State. He wasn't a D line coach. He played D line. And I would argue the best coaching job he's done during his career from a production standpoint was during his tenure at Boston college. And as we pointed out, was it last week, the production they had at Boston college, the last time he coached the D line was Cincinnati in his first year under Marcus Freeman. So Marcus Freeman knows whether this guy can coach or not. The last time he was coaching the defensive line at the power five level was Ohio was Boston college in 2015. And he had three different defensive linemen with over 10 tackles for loss. So I think the guy can coach, and in, in, cl- including one yeah. in Harold
4: Landry, who's one of the highest paid defensive ends in the NFL right now, too. Well, and the other
1: thing about it, too, Brian, is so absurd about it is normally when you have one guy have over twenty tackles for loss, it kind of takes away from the ability of other players to rack up that kind of production, and that didn't stop them at Boston College, and that's the really impressive thing about what they did last year is. Not only did he have, or that year, did he have tremendous production, but you had other guys as well. Like if you look at Alabama last year, right, like Will Anderson had 33 and a half tackles for loss, and then you had 12 and a half, 12 and 10, but that was in 15 games, right? They needed 15 games to get to that level. When you look at the production in 2016 at Boston College, Harold Landry had 22 tackles for loss. They ended up having five guys with over 10 tackles for loss. Three of them were defensive linemen and Kevin Cavelic, Kavel- and then uh, obviously uh, Zach Allen. And then Wyatt Ray, who was part of a rotation, had seven tackles for loss, and Truman Gutepfell had six and a half tackles for loss. So, I mean, they were super productive in their one year with him. And then if you look at kind of what they were before and after, good, but not quite as good, in my opinion, uh, when you look at the production before and after. Like the next year... After he left in 2017, with Harold Landry still there, they had one guy with over 10 tackles for loss, and that was Zach Allen. And, you know, next year, just two. Next year, one. That was a linebacker. The next year, none. Uh, This past year, none. So the production has fallen off a cliff since Al Washington left. And so I think that that, um, that's not an argument that I buy. To be honest with you, and again, I'll repeat that there are Notre Dame fans who will tell you that told, will tell you, and Harry stands left that he wasn't that good of a coach. I know a, another website, for example, that covers Notre Dame has been whining for years about how here how Harry stands an overrated coach. So you're always going to find people with dumb opinions. I just choose not to listen to them. Uh, D. Trollhunter, just for my own uh, calibrating to the Brian scale, current grade and upside grade. This is obviously back to uh, I would imagine back to D. Uh, uh, Owen Wafel. Uh, mm-hmm. but Owen Wafel right now for me is a, a, a three and a half star player, which is like that top. He's like a top 300 type of guy for me. Uh, but he's got a four star upside. So that's why we do a little bit different. Like what is he now? And then what can he be to me? He's got top 200 player potential and that's good. I mean, if you're, if your fourth guy in the defensive class is a top 200 caliber player, that's pretty good. Keep in mind too that that you know I saw I, I grade sophomore players with the same sort of strictness that I grade upperclassmen. I don't give them waivers for being sophomores, so sophomores are naturally going to have lower grades because again I'm holding you to the same standard of how would you play. So like the technique grade is going to be lower than normal. Now where he grades out well is like power and you know it, you know foot quickness off the line things like that. He grades out pretty well. It that what brings him down is his size not is not there yet, right? So. In two years, for example, if he is 290, Ryan, his his size grade is going to go up. But he's a 270 pound nose tackle, who was 250 as a sophomore, right? right? So you just got to understand that, th- that that's not – which is why I don't. What's why I don't put grades out for public consumption for sophomores, mm-hmm. and unless it's like a you know a no brainer, like oh, but this guy's guy's really good, just because it's just you know it just it it doesn't. And maybe I should change the way I do it, but that's just how I do it, right? I'm I'm going to evaluate with what you are going to be, what you would be at Notre Dame, and that's why, you know, this kids got two more years of high school left.
4: It's so hard to predict how a player is going to grow at that age, right? Like, I mean, he because we, we keep talking about his dad being six 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 seven. That doesn't mean that he's going to be six 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 seven, right? Mm-hmm. Like he might just be six three, which is fine. Right. There's nothing wrong with it, but I mean, it's just hard to predict what type of growth right. potentially seventeen year old kid has.
1: It's just right. very difficult. I think the other thing, too, is even if he's only six two and a half, Ryan, he's a nose guard. That's the thing is, at that position, that height – like his height is not a – I don't care one bit about his height right now. And he's got – to me, seems to have average to slightly above average arm length. It's not great. It's not bad, though. He's not like this little short-arm Tyrannosaurus Rex. You know what I mean? Like he's got good arm length. He's got nose tackle. But that grit checks higher as a nose tackle than it would if he was an N. It's the size. It's the kid was 250 as a sophomore on film. He's listed at 270 now for a nose tackle. That's too small. So I'm only grading him off of where he is now. But again, that's why I don't release those kind of things. I think it's too early to be grading sophomores in like a national ranking standpoint, if I'm being completely honest with you, because most of these kids are super raw and you really don't know how they're going to be. You're just basically going off traits or tools or measurables or whatever. And I don't think that's necessarily necessary way to go with it. But what I know about the kid is this, he's really strong. He's got a great motor. He's he's not just strong, but powerful because those things aren't always the same. You can be weight room strong and have strong hands, but not a powerful player. He is that. And he's he's got the athletic tools. And I like to project really well to that position. And so I think it's a good pickup. I think he's a really good football player. It's just, you know, my only thing was like the timing of it. But at the end of the day, they are putting a higher premium on some of the intangibles that he brings to the table. That they believe we need as much as we need his power and his, you know, his ability to play nose, blah, 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 blah. We need that motor. We need that energy. We need that toughness. We need that attitude. We need that swagger just as much as we need his power and his ability to penetrate, and his ability to block, destruct, and all that kind of stuff. And again, it just shows me that, and, and I've heard this before. I heard this with Preston Zenter. I've heard this with a guy like Ronan Hannafin. I've heard this with some other guys that are like. You know, look, not only are these guys talented, but these guys have the attitude that we need at Notre Dame. And that that says a lot about Marcus Freeman's mindset of it's not just about recruiting the most talented players. It's about building a team. And I'll say this. That is something that Dabo Sweeney did a phenomenal job with, which is why Dabo won two titles at Clemson during a time when Urban Meyer only won one. Because Urban Meyer was so obsessed with recruiting the best players and highly ranked classes and all that, and, and Dabble's like, I don't care. That guy may be higher ranked, but this kid's—I know what this kid's going to do every day. This kid's going to show up and give me this, that, and the other, and that's why he's winning titles with guys like, you know, James Skalski at, at linebacker. You know what I mean? Because he understands. Yes, I need my elite players, and they went out and got elite players, but they also needed to mix those guys with with blue collar, right attitude. You know, give me everything you got answer the bell when it matters most type of guys. And I think that's the right way to build a team. And that's something that I think Nick Saban hasn't gotten enough credit for over the years, especially early on when he was trying to establish the culture of the program is mm-hmm. he would find guys like that. And I think Notre Dame needs guys like that. And when that was explained to me that way, you, you started to see why, okay, if you view him as that, then I, I understand more so of why, um, of why you, they didn't make that kind of run or I mean, why they made that kind of run at him. Bob's an idiot. B. Ryan, the more I've thought about the transfer portals, effect, transfer portals' effect on recruiting, and I think it's possible Notre lands a top class every year if nothing changes. I think I understand where he's going. Um, he says, as other top programs go heavy into the transfer portal and lighter on high schoolers only taking their top targets, and looting other schools for transfers. It's going to have an impact to a degree, but mm-hmm. not to be number one, because you're talking right. about – Instead of taking 28, Bam only takes 24. Instead of taking 25, they take 22, 21, 20. That's still enough guys for them to be ranked high if they're getting a bunch of five stars like they normally get. So I I think you're on to something, and I've talked a little bit about this in the past. I also don't think every program is going after transfer portal guys. George is not making a, a run at a bunch of transfer portal guys. It looks like Kirby is still trying for the most part going yep. the high school route Dabo is a hundred percent going the high school development route i mean he's mm-hmm. like he's not even paying any attention to the transfer portal except like a kid here a kid there uh, notre dame even, is that way oh, ahead, even Ala-
4: even alabama i mean they very got, targeted they got eli ricks and they got jameer gibbs did they get many besides that though i like, got the receiver from,
1: from louisville uh they okay. got the, they've got several yeah. they got the offensive lineman from vanderbilt uh, oh, they're steam. going I've much of awesome the, yeah. They're going yeah. much more the transfer portal route than other teams. Yeah, they've definitely gotten some guys. So Bama's going that way because that's a seventy-something-year-old coach who's just worried about winning now. He's not thinking about three, four years down the road. Kirby, yep. as much as I dislike him, is still trying to build a program. You know, Dabo Dabo's trying to have a, establish a program. Nick Saban's trying to go out and win the twenty twenty two national championship. That's it. Right. And I understand that to a degree, but I, I think it's easier to do that when you're 70 something than when you're 36 and you're trying to establish something. Ohio State hasn't been a big transfer portal team. I mean, they'll, they'll get some, but they're not making a living on it. So so I think other than Bama, the the school that you're going to be most concerned about with as far as schools, as far as being that number one ranked class, aren't really making a killing. Because that was Ryan's point is if you're just getting a couple, two to three portal kids a year, you're not like only bringing in 15 high school kids anymore you know, Bama, so it could maybe affect Bama a little bit, but, but here's the deal. Bama's still going to bring in some high school kids. It's just, they're going to be chasing off those high school kids once they're on campus. That's really another area where the, uh, the big aspect of it is going to come down as well. So let me see if there's any more questions before we get out of here. I don't know if I saw any more, a lot of great comments, a lot of great conversation. Let me just see if uh, we got anything here to kind of get to. Uh, Zach Martin said St. Ignatius is an outstanding academic school. That's what I had, had heard, but I just wanted to be sure. I ha- I wasn't completely completely sure if that was the direction, that, uh, if that was accurate or not, but that's what I had been told so far. So uh, there you go. So Ryan, another, another great show. Big pickup for Notre Dame. To conclude, Notre Dame gets Owen Waifel to commit in the 2024 class. We project him as a nose guard, a very intriguing player, very intriguing recruitment. We have a commit story and a class impact story. I'm going to be publishing when I get off here. I'm going to be publishing the story that Ryan did with his high school coach, where we kind of dive into a little bit more about him uh, as a player and a person and all those type of things. Uh, we'll have a what's next article coming up tomorrow at IrishBreakdown.com as well. We'll be back tomorrow to talk a little bit of Notre Dame team stuff. Got a lot, lot more interesting stuff. May is not. I told you. They weren't taking May off from a recruiting standpoint, everybody. They're still pushing. They're still grinding. The coaches are back out on the road this week uh, before they have the last uh, week Last week of the month off as the, uh, I think there's a quiet period or something like that during that period of time, I believe around the Memorial Day weekend, Ryan. And then yep. obviously the visits open back up in June. So we're getting closer and closer to that, which is going to be a very, very important time. Uh, but we... Uh, Yeah, we're always going to have a lot going on, man. So we'll be back tomorrow for a show at uh, tomorrow afternoon, 1230 most likely. But make sure that you stay locked in because we may change some times from time to time. And like Mace AK says, for the second time today, join the message board, boards at irishbreakdown.com. Smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, because if we do change our time or if we do an extra show for some reason, you will get notified of that. Share this podcast, leave a five-star review, and as always, Go Irish. Thanks everybody so much for joining us for both of the shows today. We appreciate you all very much. For Ryan Roberts, I'm Brian Driscoll. You all all have a great rest of your day. And thank you for joining the Irish Breakdown Podcast.